Hi, and welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. My name is Jen, and I am so happy that you're with me today. This podcast is just for you, Mama, because you matter. Each week, I'll be talking with another mama. As most conversations with women go, we'll cover a multitude of topics, but mainly we'll share stories of motherhood, all the ups and downs, lessons learned, and how these mamas practice self-care. So take a seat, fold your laundry, drink your coffee, do your dishes, I know you're multitasking, and listen in. Hey, you guys. So as you know, we're a newer podcast and we could use all the reviews that we can get. Five stars, a short couple of sentences, just about what you love about listening to the Mama Needs podcast. So I wanted to read one just as an example of someone who enjoyed the podcast. And I love this so much. It's from Brian of Central Florida, which I think it's Brian's wife. <laughs> um, it says, Jen with Mama Needs podcast has such a relaxing way of conversing with mom. And not only are her topics mama-friendly, her voice sort of just makes you feel peaceful as she discusses motherhood. Take a listen to feel like you're in the living rooms of moms from all different types of backgrounds and places. That is so kind. Thank you so much, Brian's wife from Central Florida. I really appreciate you leaving a review and listening. So it's super easy. Go into your podcast app. Scroll down, go to reviews, leave five stars, and there's a button that says write a review. Just a couple sentences. It'll take two minutes of your time, I promise. Thank you so much. On this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Jen Babakan, who just wrote her very first book called Detoured, the messy, grace-filled journey from working professional to stay-at-home mom that released just this past July. We talk about her book, her transition from working full-time to staying home full-time, and all of the emotions that come with that. She lives in the Central Valley of California with her husband, and she's a homeschooling mama of two. She's a contributor for Reader's Digest and lover of coffee, ice cream, and Target. I loved getting to know her, and I know you will too. Enjoy my conversation with Jen. All right. Well, hey, Jen. Welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so glad to have you here. Um, why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself, your family, where you guys live, and what you do? Yeah. So basically, I'm a mom of two little boys. Uh, one is seven, almost eight, and the other one just turned five. I've uh, been married um, to my husband for about 12 years now. We met in college and got married shortly thereafter. And since then, I have had a couple of careers, I guess you could say. Right after college, I went into marketing and quickly discovered that although I really enjoyed that, my first love was teaching. And so got a teaching credential and um, began teaching and taught third grade for, for a couple years until my first son was born. Um, and then from there became a stay-at-home mom. And, uh, and that's when I started writing after quite a journey that God took me on. So that, that leads us to here today. Yes. Well, I am so excited to chat with you. So um, just so the listeners know, uh, she's just written a book. It's called Detoured, The Messy, Grace-Filled Journey from Working Professional to Stay-at-Home Mom. And it just released in July, right? July 9th. It did. 
So it's a brand new book, baby. It's so exciting. <laughs> and yes. I was um, privileged to be on Jen's um, book launch team. And so I was able to read a copy before everyone else, which is so much fun. It's one of the main reasons I love to be on the launch team is because I get to see it first. Um, and you guys, her book was so relatable. If you have ever worked as a mom or not worked as a mom, you will get so much out of this book. And um, there were so many points that where I was just like nodding my head and I was almost about to fall off because um, there's so much in here that I know I personally felt. And so we're going to talk about some of that. But why don't you just give us kind of a brief overview of what the book is about? Sure. So the book chronicles just the transition that I went through when I made the decision to give up my teaching career to stay at home with my first son. And originally, um, it was a decision that was very, very difficult for me. And I didn't anticipate that it would be so difficult because I did want to stay home with my child, but I had worked so hard for so many years to get to where I was. And so when, um, when I, you know, when I had my son, I instantly felt this calling to be home, but I had these complex emotions that I didn't anticipate at all because I worried about, you know, losing my, my career and what I had worked for. But what God showed me through that period of time is that what I was really worried about losing was my identity. And so he took me on this journey that was really, really difficult, a lot harder than I expected it to be to discovering that my identity was resting in him alone. Um, and so the book really just chronicles my, uh, my, that time period of my life where I went from, from working to home and, and handled feeling like every day looked the same as the last. You know, when, yes. you, have a new, when you have a newborn at home, it's, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. And, yes. uh, you know, I was nursing and all of those things. And um, to complicate matters, my son had a um, dairy protein sensitivity oh. that was so severe that he bled internally. And so what went from... Um, you know, me thinking, yes, I want to be home. I'm not sure if we can make this work quickly turned into I had to be home and we had to make it work. And so what I found along the way was just, you know, I went through, um, you know, a sort of depression of having to, uh, to be home and have that isolation that I don't think a lot of people talk about, mm -hmm. especially if you're a new mom, you know, once people stop visiting and, you know, my husband went back to work and everything, it was me and the baby and, you know, just, just me and the baby. And, and I lost my, my work friends uh, or that community, you know, getting out of the house every day. Um, feeling like I had a sense of um, purpose, you know, outside of motherhood. It felt like this, I, everything else had fallen away and this was all I had. Um, and then I felt shame that I wasn't content with only that. And mm -hmm. I think those feelings of shame and guilt and, um, and sorrow and grief just really kind of, you know, created this toxic mix that, that made me feel like, um, that it was going to be never ending. And mm -hmm. so when I went through that, took some steps to, you know, to find peace and contentment at home, I realized that other women probably felt the same way I did. And it made me think that maybe this was something I could share either through my blog or through a book, but I really felt like God was asking me to share this journey I had been on. And so 
that's what the book basically is. You know, it's kind of part, you know, you know, my story as well as really practical tips to helping women navigate that change for themselves. Yes. And that's exactly what it is. I love it. Did you always want to write? Because I know you said you went to college for marketing and then you kind of shifted and went to teaching third grade. So is this something that you always kind of had in the back of your mind to do? You know, I never in my life thought I would write a book. That was not something (laughs) that was ever, you know, on the forefront of my mind or a life goal or anything like that. I've loved to write, you know, for as long as, you know, since I've been able to hold a pencil. I... I joke with people a lot that, you know, when everybody else in in the class was groaning over having to write a three-paragraph essay, you know, I was sharpening my pencil and (laughs) smiling like crazy, like this is going to be the greatest day ever. Um, So I've always loved to write. I, you know, it wasn't a goal to write a book, but that, as I went through this process, that seemed like, you know, the best format to share this message. And uh, by God's grace, it became a reality. Wow, that's amazing. I'm always so impressed with authors who have gone all the way and written the book and got it published and everything. So I applaud you. Um, you. I know that it's, I know that you probably had a lot of moments where you wanted to throw the manuscript away. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So many authors I talk to kind of go through this process of, I I love it. I love it. I love it. And then they're like, I never want to see it again. Get it away from me. (laughs) But um, when it's finally done, gosh, I bet you feel so accomplished. I bet it's an amazing feeling. So. I love it. Well, let me go through some of the notes that I was taking while I read it, um, some of them that kind of resonated with me. So you talk about the decision to stay home and that um, you were working all the way up until um, basically you had your son and you were at open house, I think. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. And um, you were telling the parents, you know, I'll be back and on this date, no worries. And you had it all planned out to a T. And then all of a sudden you had this amazing baby and everything changed. And so I totally resonate with that. Um, I had a similar story, except that I didn't end up staying at home at first. That came later for me. But I did feel like, oh my gosh, how can I leave her right now? My first was a girl. And I just thought, how can I... How can I leave her every day? What is, I don't even understand how I can do this. Like my heart felt like a piece was missing every time I went to work and I had to pump at work, I had to do all these things. So <laughs> tell us kind of about that decision and um, how you kind of got there and kind of the emotions and the feelings behind, um, behind this huge decision, not only emotionally, but financially and logistically and everything. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that it started, um, so basically, you know, I was entering into my third trimester, uh, when the school year ended and over that summer, I decided to go look at some, um, childcare centers that might be a possibility for, for leaving him at. And I remember going to one and, you know, I just, something just didn't sit right with me about it. There was nothing that I could even really put my finger on, but it just, it, something was just off in my soul. I was like, I can't, I, I can't do this. And I went home and, you know, told my husband, you know, I win, everything checks out on paper and they seem like very kind, nice people. Um, but I just, 
I, I don't know, you know, and, uh, and we were both like, well, we've got to figure this out. You know, it's <laughs> right. not going to wait for us to, to find somewhere. Um, and I knew that I would have a longer maternity leave because, you know, I had purchased some insurance that would allow us to, for me to at least be home for like the first six months. Um, but I absolutely had every intention of returning to work, just like I had seen everybody else do, you know, especially in the teaching profession, you see, uh, you know, friends and colleagues that have their babies and drop them off at, at, with a sitter, and then they pick right back up where they left off. And, yeah. um, and so I just thought, well, why wouldn't I be able to do the same thing? Um, and so when, when I had Bryce, you know, and, and I write about it in the book, but you know, those first moments where I'm just looking at this child and, and holding him and he went from being this, this idea in my mind, you know, to being this actual reality in my arms. And that was the moment where I just thought, I cannot leave this, this baby. I, you know, it just was this overwhelming feeling I had. And, um, and I told my husband then, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going back to work. And he, <laughs> he just, he just kind of laughed and he's like, you, you will eventually. Right. You right. Know? And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, but right now I just need to tell you, like, I'm not going back. Um, because in that moment, everything shifted, everything yeah. shifted. I wasn't worrying about the classroom of students. I wasn't worrying about their parents who, yes, I had promised I will be back. You know, I had some students that their parents had requested me because I had their siblings and, um, so, you know, I had felt this great responsibility to be there for those families. Um, but when I had my own family that had just been birthed, all of that fell away and it felt like this was all that mattered. Um, you know, so it, it was this entire process of feeling this way, yet knowing that we financially could not make it work. Mm -hmm. um, yet still feeling the still small voice saying, you're going to be home. You need to be home. You're meant to be home. And then when he began having the dairy sensitivity and bleeding, uh, that just further kind of took the choice away from me. It, it was one of those things where the pediatrician told me, look, you need to monitor his diet as closely as you can. I was breastfeeding, which meant I had to change my diet. Right. Um, for a period of time, I was on the, um, the top eight uh, elimination diet. And so I, no joke, I was eating turkey and green beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because oh I could, I had to eliminate everything. And I was like, what can I eat? And it was an awful, an awful time, but a great way to lose baby weight. <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately. Yeah. People say, wow, you really dropped the weight fast. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not able to eat anything good. Um, and so I had to, I had to really, you know, um, come to grips with the fact that it was no longer a choice. And put my faith in God that he was somehow going to make it work out. I mean, I didn't know how he was going to make it work out, but I just figured, okay, we're going to have to cut corners. We're going to have to do, you know, something. Um, and by God's grace, the day that my uh, maternity leave and my, um, you know, financial support from the insurance that I had purchased, the day that that ran out was the day that my husband got a promotion. Wow. And it was just enough to cover us, you know, me being home. It was just enough. And, yeah. you know, it was, um, it was, you know, no, no more than we needed and no less than we needed. It was exactly what we needed. And so that was really the first time, I mean, I've seen God's hand work in my life, you know, but, but to see it in such a really tangible way of God saying, 
yep, I'm going to provide for this. You heard me right. This is what I need you to do. Um, was really incredible. That's amazing. And it, I mean, it's totally obvious that God had a hand in this from the beginning. Um, not only just to have you stay at home because of your son's dairy, dairy and, and gluten. Is that what you said? Not gluten. Just, it was just a dairy protein sensitivity. Dairy pro- so the dairy protein sensitivity that would have been extremely difficult to handle if you were working, if he was at daycare, if right. you were trying to still pump and give him your milk and yeah. changing your diet at work. And I mean, like all the things that you can think of like, oh, this would have been awful. Absolutely. Um, and then to the very end of your maternity leave and your insurance, just everything coming through is amazing. I love when God does that because you're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And this is not, you know, this is not yeah. going to work out. How is this going to happen? And then um, God's like, actually, I've got this. So right. <laughs> right. Right. like, I, I'm good. I'm good. I got it for you. Yeah. yeah. So you're all set. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because, um, again, like uh, there's, there's so much of this that's familiar. And I feel like, I'm, of course, I'm not the only one. This is why you wrote the book, because there's so many of us that this is our story. Uh, we we worked full time. You know, we went to college. We worked. We got, you know, we got married. Um, and that was what we were going to do. And then we had these babies and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, It's it's just a whole other life. And so um, for me, it was, um, I had to go back to work, had to, had to, wanted to, but also, you know, had this nagging sense of of feeling, you know, just terrible about leaving my daughter. But um, my mom actually watched her for me. So I didn't have to pay for daycare. So that was provided for me, which was amazing. Um, It ended up being, I had my second son while I was still working. And then uh, my second child, I mean, who was my son. And then uh, when he was about two years old, uh, God clearly told him there were some things that were happening where I I wasn't sure if I should be there any longer. Um, I still loved it so much. And I was so afraid. I was so afraid. And you talk about this. We're going to get to it. Um, I was so afraid that I was going to lose my identity. And like, this is my thing outside of being a mom. And I just couldn't imagine not going to work every day and not having something that was mine. And I think so many of us feel that way. And I was terrified, but God clearly, like the most clearly I've ever heard him speak to me, uh, said, you need to stay home. And I just started like breaking into tears. My, I got like chills. Like I knew for sure that it wasn't my decision to say that, yeah. you know, yeah. I did not want to do this. <laughs> so um, I told my husband, just like you, um, God is telling me that I need to stay home with Sadie and Everett. And he was like, uh, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's always a surprise to them, right? Yeah. We've got all this going on internally. And then we, yes. we just kind of let them in on it. Like, by the way, <laughs> yeah, by the way, um, God told me this. I don't know if he told you, but we need to get on the same page here. Um, yeah. So he kind of was like, uh, what are you talking about? And so like you, um, it, the, the path was unclear, but I, I knew what I had to do. And so um, I made the decision, had such a piece about it. When I started to stay home, my son, um, he had, he was two, like I said, but he hadn't been talking very much. And so I was got, kind of getting worried about him, like what's going on with his speech. And when I stayed home that first week, his vocabulary absolutely exploded. Wow. And I was just like, thank you, God. You know, that was mm-hmm. so clear uh, to me of 
why I needed to be there. Um, I needed wow. to be there for him. And we had so much fun. We'd take bike rides to the park and do all kinds of fun stuff. And um, obviously, there's more to my story, but it was just uh, like you, so obvious and so amazing how God provided each step of the way. Um, and I just love, I just love those those stories and hearing how, how God has kind of come through for people. But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about when you started to stay home, there were a lot of other things that shifted. <laughs> um, yes. you, you had depression, which again, so many of us can relate to. I had it too. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing uh -huh. out uh -huh. um, of stuff that was happening at work. Um, yes. you know, my husband and I worked at the same place and so we were both on staff at a church. And so when I stayed home, he was still there. And so he'd go on like a staff retreat or like, you know, out oh, to coffee yeah. and like all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm missing it. You know? And I hated, I hated that part of it of just the, the missing out of fun yeah. stuff. Um, and my other mom friends who worked and did all kinds of like trips and things. You had fear of the unknown. Um, you said this before, but like kind of this, the same, the feeling of everything was the same day after day. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely felt that way too. Like the groundhog day type thing where it's like, yes. oh my gosh, every day is exactly the same. And I can't, I can't do this. I need, I need something to break up the monotony. Absolutely. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about like kind of that journey of, of your, your home now, obviously this is what you're supposed to do. God brought you to this place, mm -hmm. but now there's all these feelings of the things that I just mentioned and more. Um, and how did you deal with all of that? Yeah. So, you know, first was, was basically just this realization that life was going on without me. You know, I knew that my school had hired the replacement teacher that was now going to be in my classroom. <laughs> um, and, you know, my friends went back to work, um, you know, and, and the only time I really saw my work friends, if I did, was, you know, when they were off for Christmas break or, or spring break or whatever. And so, um, you know, they would go back and I would be at home doing the same thing that I had been doing, you know, over and over and over again. And so it was really, um, you know, it was equal parts joy because I'm watching, you know, my son grow and, and do all of these milestones and I wasn't missing anything like so many working moms do. They miss those things. Um, and yeah. so I felt this incredible gratitude to God that he was allowing me to be um, so present in, in my child's life. Um, but then, like I said, you know, came with that, the depression, which I think was, um, you know, definitely a postpartum depression that at the time, um, you know, when I went to my doctor and said, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. Like I, I'm not feeling myself and, and mine wasn't typical, like, um, you know, not being able to get out of bed or not being able to care for my child. I didn't have it in that sense. I, mine, I guess you would say was even more of like a postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I had, you know, this feeling of just doom and gloom all the time. I was so worried about his safety. I was overly worried about his safety. And so, but when I went to my physician, he said, I think you just need to take more walks. 
<laughs> that, was, that was his answer. I think you need to get out of the house more. Oh was my like, gosh. Well, thanks so much for that. And you know, which, which is fine because I, I don't always, you know, I wasn't looking for like, you know, a heavy dose of medication or anything, but I just felt right. like, you know, walking was not going to fix it. No. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just kind of muddled through is what I did. I just was like, well, if this is my new reality, then this is, and I was not fun to live with. You know, let me start by saying that my poor husband would come home and, um, and he, you know, he would just look at, all he'd have to do is just look at me and ask how my day was and I would cry, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, that good, huh? Like it was, it was that great. Um, and you know, the baby was taken care of, the house was clean. Um, but I just felt so empty and, um, you know, the hard part of having access to social media 24 seven is that I was seeing my work friends still having these work events and, and, um, you know, they had new inside jokes or they had whatever. And it just, it felt like, oh gosh, like I, I'm totally out of the loop and I've lost all of that. And even if I went back, it won't ever be the same. And so it was this process of just grieving that and feeling like, I just didn't fit in anywhere because the stay-at-home moms that I knew were so happy to be at home. They had this sense of contentment and peace that I yearned for, but I just didn't know how to get there because I was still just in this intense grief and depression over, over this huge life change that happened. Um, but nobody was normalizing it for me. You know, nobody was saying like, no, this is absolutely kind of the transition you go through, but you'll find you'll find your way, you know, it'll all settle down. You'll find your community. You'll own being at home. It'll become something that you thrive in, that you enjoy. And I didn't have any voice to speak into that and to reassure me that, that it would pass, which I think added to my anxiety, right? Because I'm right. just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's going to be this way. Like I'm never, <laughs> I'm just going to be this person now. Um, and so, you know, at its core, that's why I wrote the book. I wanted moms and women to know you're not alone. And if I can be the one voice that's telling them it's okay and you're going to come out on the other side of it okay and you're actually going to be happy where you are in your own four walls, um, you know, that, that's what I wanted to do. It's worth all the work to do it. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly what this is um, for moms is, is that message of that you're not alone. This is normal. There's nothing wrong with you because I think so many of us feel that way of like, what's wrong with me? I want, I got what I wanted. Yes. I'm, I'm home. God worked everything out. Why am I still feeling this way? And I mean, yeah, like I said, it's so familiar. So many of us have the same story. I love it. The sponsor of this podcast is the Mama Needs Subscription Box. It is a monthly curated self-care box just for mamas. Our mission is to help mamas remember to put themselves on their to-do list and remind them that they matter. Each box is filled with four to six items every month, gifts, self-care tools, and products all packed and done for you. Every month is a new and relevant theme. Some of our past themes have been Mama Needs Peace, Mama Needs Chocolate, Mama Needs a Spa Day, and more. The boxes are $39.99 plus shipping, but you can get free shipping on your very first box by using the code PODCAST at checkout. Just go to mamaneedsbox.com. All right, now back to our conversation. So you touched on something just a little bit ago about friendships, and um, we talk a lot about that on this podcast of like, how do we still, how do we be a stay-at-home mom, raise our kids? 
but still have community and still have right. friendships um, with adults <laughs> yes. uh, that, you know, can fill, it's, it's a, a, a part of self-care is um, having that community to, to talk to and to, to uh, help you get filled mm-hmm. up. Um, again, having that community helps you know that you're not alone mm-hmm. um, and saying things out loud to people you trust in a safe place is always really helpful. Um, so you talk in the book about kind of trying to find your way through this stay at home mom life with friendships and you would go to play dates and you didn't, you felt like you didn't quite fit in like you were just saying. So kind of tell us about that journey and where you actually found your place. Yeah. So, you know, when I was going through all of this, I would talk to my husband and, and, and I didn't quite know, um, how to say it to him other than, you know, I would just like start sobbing and just be like, I'm so lonely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so lonely. I don't know what to do. Um, and you know, and he was just like, okay, so we've got to find you some friends. You need to, you need to, <laughs> which is really like embarrassing almost, you know, as, as like a wife and a mom to be like, I'm so lonely. And your husband's like, okay, you need to go get out and find your people. Like, you know, I mean, he couldn't do it for me, right? He had a work community that he loved and they were all very supportive. And so he had that outlet every day, right? To go and talk with people about whatever. Um, And so I started looking at mom's groups that were within my community. And I went to one that, you know, immediately didn't feel comfortable to me, but I just kind of push through it because I was like, okay, this is you being an introvert or whatever, like just get over yourself and, and make this work. Um, but although they were welcoming, what I found was that because I was still in that in-between place of, uh, you know, I still really want my career. I also really want to be home because I was in that place. And these women were all very much, uh, content at home. And, you know, they, you know, point blank at one time asked me, well, why would you want to work if you don't have to? <laughs> and and it, it was, you know, and, and the rest of them kind of like nodded in agreement, like, yeah, what, you know, and so I felt really alienated. Like, yeah. I was, you know, like they were just not going to understand where I was coming from of like, right. yeah, but I worked for this and, and, and all of that. And so, and you know, at the end of the day, what that really was is like, a sense of pride and feeling like I had lost my identity, right? When God was asking me to just find it in him, but I was still, you know, trying to find it in the title that I held or the job that I did, the work that I did. And I was so intent on proving that I was more than a dishwasher and a diaper changer. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, I was so intent on that. Um, and so I, I had to just kind of realize that friendships are not always going to work out and you're not always going to find that perfect, uh, that perfect friend that we're all looking for. I mean, I think we have a tendency to kind of think I'm going to find someone and she's going to like this, this, and this, and this. But in reality, you know, it's the differences in friendships that allow it to be, you know, an interesting, uh, an interesting relationship. And so I had to widen my scope on, um, on who I was allowing into my life and, and my, um, my entire perspective on friendship because, you know, I would go into the, you know, for moms, it's, it's like dating, right? We go into these scenarios where like, okay, we're going to get all dolled up and we're going to, you know, make the, the, these other women think that we're worthy of friendship and we're worthy of time and we're cool and all of that. Right. Uh, and so, you know, 
I had to realize that, okay, even if these are not friendships that are going to be lifelong friendships where our children become best friends and we take vacations together and we do all of that, even if these are friends for just a season of time or just a period of time, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And being patient and allowing the friendships to develop however they're going to develop instead of forcing it or immediately cutting it off because it's not looking like you thought it was going to look. That was kind of, I think, the biggest lesson for me was to not write anyone or anything off and just kind of allow it to happen organically. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I've done that, since I've just, um, and, and really the way I came to be able to do that is because I allowed Christ to be who he wanted to be in my life. And when I let go of the desperation to find friendship outside and focus on it's me and Jesus day in, day out, it's me and God. I don't, I don't need any, you know, any outside friendships. I'm going to focus on my relationship with him first. Mm -hmm. When I did that, that desperation for friendship and outside input and all of that just fell away. And it, it turned me into someone that, I'm not desperate for friendship anymore, but I welcome it with open arms and I'm a, I come at it from a much healthier place now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's so evident in the book. Um, real quick, I wanted you to tell a story about when you were shopping and <laughs> <laughs> you were talking to the cashier um, yes. and it, it just kind of shows that desperation of friendship. Um, that's, you know, again, story. I mean, it's embarrassing, but I know, I know I've done the same thing without realizing yeah. what I was doing. Yes. So tell us about that. Cause then we can kind of see like how yeah. you went from one place to another. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, there was a cashier at my grocery store that was just always so bubbly and funny and friendly. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like she would be the coolest person to hang out with. And I think we, we could be total BFFs. Like if we just had a chance to get to know each other, I think we could totally be friends. And, and so when I was going through her line, it was, I think it was around Christmas time because I was buying all the ingredients to make cake balls. Um, you know, it's like cake pops without the stick. Um, yeah. And so she was asking, she's like, well, what are you making? And so I was telling her and um, she's like, oh. And so without even like her asking for a step-by-step direction. I just launched into it. Like first you're going to do this and then you're going to, you know, and the poor people in line behind me were probably (laughs) like, could you send her an email? Like, do we really mean like this whole thing? Um, so I went through all the directions and, uh, and it's pretty simple. It's not like, you know, it's not a rocket scientist type of thing. Um, but I was like, okay, okay. So I'm you know what? Like, maybe she'll have questions and she'll call me. So I was like, I pulled out a receipt, like this crumpled receipt out of my purse that, okay, let's be honest. Like I have a million in there that are all like, yeah, yeah. From like 2011, like I pull out a receipt and I wrote my phone number on it and I was like, okay, well, if you have any questions, like give me a call and I can like walk you through the process. And she was like, oh, okay. And so she took it (laughs) and I walked out of there And like, then the shame hit. And I was like, do you even know what you just did? Like you tried to make this connection with this woman that totally has a set of friends at the grocery store. She's got her, you know, gal pals. And here I am like, you know, this lonely little stay at home mom that's like (laughs) handing her a crinkled receipt, hoping she'll call me. And I walked away just with this like total shame about the situation. And it made me feel so much worse. I was, you know, yeah. because you just think like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And 
What that are they was thinking like, about me right now? Yeah. yeah like mom date fail. Right. Like, what are you even thinking? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was probably, that was a low point, I would right. say, in my quest to make mom friends. That was a real, yeah, that was a real low. And to be honest, when I wrote that in the book, I was like, cannot believe I'm sharing this. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm putting this on paper. But okay, I will do it for the greater good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone, for sharing my awful story. <laughs> my shame is your gain. There we go. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we can learn so much from that. And I feel like I don't have a specific story, but I know that I've done something similar to where I've given my phone number away to a mom and been like, yeah, call me. Let's have a play date. Our kids would get along and they'd be like best friends, you know? And then... <laughs> And then later, I'm like, why did I do that? Oh, my gosh. She was totally not interested. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. It is. It's so hard. Oh, my gosh. But yes, you're right. Um, I think the best way to cultivate friendships is not to be desperate and um, to just focus on, you know, your relationship with Christ and then like always, everything falls into place because that's just the way that it works. So, um, so now I assume that you have a community of women that you can meet with, you can be real with, and that you kind of made your own. I think in the, in the book, I read a story about how um, you joined a community group and it was really far away. And so then you weren't sure if you were going to go to it, but then it moved right down the street from you and you were like, well... There's no question I need to go now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a summer Bible study um, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, I was using every excuse in the book not to go back after the first meeting. You know, it was going to be too long of a drive from home. And my husband was just getting home to watch the kids. And it was literally, you know, one of those trade offs at the door where it was like, okay, see ya, I've got to go. Right. And so I had this guilt of spending an evening out when I could be with my family. Um, you know, which I think a lot of moms experience of even though we're with them 24 seven, when we take that time for ourselves, it's so guilt inducing because, you know, you're just like, oh gosh, okay. I don't know if it, I really need this. I don't think I really need this. Right. Um, and of course my husband was like, you're going to go because <laughs> this is what you do. I know you well enough by now. I mean, he's so, he's so wonderful that he, he knows me so well. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I got an email the next day saying they had literally moved it uh, two streets over from my house. And That's so amazing. it was going to be about a minute drive there and back. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, so apparently I need to go to this. Um, and it was incredible because these women um, were, you know, from all stages of life. Uh, they, I think we were all mothers, but, you know, like one woman, her kids were, were in their 20s. You know, a lot of us had, had, you know, toddlers, but it was wonderful to get that perspective of a seasoned mom that could speak into those areas where we were feeling, you know, kind of insecure or whatever, um, you know, assuring us that these days were going to pass. Um, it was just, it was such a healing, healing summer for me to, to feel um, included in this group and feel like, um, you know, that it was just a gift from God. And since then, um, 
you know, that was good. That lasted about the summer and then it was over. But since then, you know, I'm, I, I homeschool my boys and um, I joined a local homeschoolers group. Mm-hmm. And the moms in that group, I, I feel like, okay, I finally found my people. Oh, you know? yay. It was like, okay, these are my people. We can all be real with one another. And, um, you know, we're all different. It's not to say that we're all, you know, the, the same. But I do feel like there's a sense of community there that I have been longing for for so long and praying for for so long. Um, and, but I do feel like I had to get it straight that, that Christ was enough before, uh, before this came into my life. And I could appropriately appreciate it without coming at it from an unhealthy angle or allowing it to take space in my life that was solely reserved for God. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. I'm so glad you found your people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Me too. It makes a difference. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about self-care. And you do talk about this in your book. So I'm curious to, um, to hear you, you know, kind of explain it to us. But uh, as you know, I own a uh, self-care subscription box. And so self-care is a big deal around here and on this podcast too, um, because we you know, we have these three excuses, time, money, and guilt. Mm -hmm. And those are the number one excuses that I hear that I've given myself. And I still do sometimes, even though I know better now. Um, But, you know, of, of, of not taking care of myself because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we talk a ton about how it's not selfish, how it's necessary for Mm -hmm. every human living um, to pour back into yourself so that you can, or fill fill yourself up so you can pour out to your family. Um, And it just makes you a better person all around. Um, So how have you kind of seen self-care maybe change your life? How have you kind of put it into practice um, so far in motherhood? Um, I would say that it's been, um, it's been a process for me of really learning what it is that fills me back up. Um, because, you know, in the beginning I just thought, okay, I need to do something for myself. So I'm going to go get a pedicure. Um, and, and while that's nice and everything, I did not feel like it was truly fulfilling uh, what I needed to help me feel, you know, rejuvenated enough mm-hmm. to come back into serving in motherhood and serving my family, you know, from a filled perspective or from a filled place. And so what really, it, it was one of those things where God really just reminded me um, that my first love has been writing, you know, and that has been a way that I have discovered, um, you know, who I am and whose I am and all of that writing and reading. And so when, when I first started recording my boys birth stories in the notes app of my phone, um, at night while I would nurse them, (laughs) because, you know, in my mind it was like, okay, I, I, I'm going to allow myself to to do this, but you know, I'm going to multitask at the same time. So the mom guilt can't be there. I'm nursing (laughs) and I'm, and I'm doing this. Um, and so when I started doing that and I realized that, you know, after I would, I would write for five or 10 minutes, gosh, I just felt so much more inspired. And I mm-hmm. felt like this little spark had been relit in me and I had a bit more pep in my step. Um, and that kind of led me on this path of, okay, so maybe I need to write more or, you know, do, do that again is what I should say, because I had let it go for so long. You know, once I, I got pregnant, I, I pretty much just gave up my blog. I gave up doing the things that I used to love. And so that led me to this discovery that 
I could still incorporate the things that I loved, the things that I was good at, the things that God had placed in me to do. I could still do that as a mom. And not only could I still do it, but I had to do it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I say this in the book that that we're meant to be fully, um, you know, well-rounded moms and well-rounded people. And it is vital that we have something that is for ourselves, that is just ours, Yes. That is something that reignites that passion and, um, and inspiration within us. And I do believe that God has given each of us something um, that we can do that not only um, inspires us, but can be used, you know, for his purposes in the world. And mm-hmm. so for me, that was, for me, that was writing. Uh, it, it looked like writing for me and, and pursuing that. Um, and that's, you know, really how the book came about is, is that pursuit. And so I fully believe that, that the book is completely a God ordained thing. Um, you know, that, that wasn't by chance at all. Um, but you know, the other ways that I, that I spend time is, you know, reading the Bible every morning with my coffee. Um, coffee is a big part of, (laughs) of, of that morning time that, that's, yes. Yeah. I just love the coffee. Um, yeah, coffee and, you know, time in God's word reading for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to read for fun and, um, and it, it never fails that, that if I'm reading a good book, if I'm, if I'm, you know, giving myself time every day to write and read and, you know, have that second cup of coffee if I want it and doing these little things that makes such a big difference in the day of a mom, um, especially stay at home motherhood. We neglect ourselves so often um, that, that it's important to find even those small moments in the day that are going to just kind of like perk you up a little bit. Yes, so true. Um, and I love that you were able to find out what fills you up and what drains you because I think that's, um, we talk about that a ton here. Um, it's so important. I mean, that's the way yeah. you figure out how to practice self-care is um, what is it that makes you come alive? Absolutely. Um, what did you used to do that, you know, you kind of put to the side and don't do anymore? Um, things like that, that you know, um, you know, are going to make you feel better, but it's, it's just about making the time and being intentional to do it. And so I love that, um, that writing was that thing for you. And then you've created this amazing gift for the rest of us moms to read, um, because of your obedience. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, something that we'd love to ask here is about mama hacks because mm-hmm. we all need help. <laughs> we all need someone to be like, this was my solution and it was really easy. <laughs> you know, it's made uh-huh. my life so much easier. I feel like there's so many times where I, um, I'm doing something and I'm like, this, got, this has got to be easier, but you can't figure it out because you're in the moment and you're not, you know, you're not able to kind of look outside of it and see, oh, if you do this, then it'll be like 10 times easier. Um, so what is some mama hack that you've kind of adapted or, or realized in your motherhood journey so far? Oh gosh. Um, mine is probably more, um, more broad in the sense that I, I really pick and choose, um, my battles with my children. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know for some people, screen time is a big deal. I know for some people, um, you know, treats and sugar and all of that is, is a big deal. I have chosen to be more relaxed in the sense of 
you know, what is really important to me and in, in this motherhood journey. And so, you know, I, I'm not really strict on a whole lot, um, Mm -hmm. in my house. And so, you know, as long as the kids are eating well, and as long as they're spending some time every day, um, you know, doing something other than sitting in front of the TV or playing video games or whatever, I really kind of allow them to be, um, you know, to make choices in the things that, that matter. And then I model a lot of what I want them to do, but I don't demand them to do it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for us, you know, I never insist that they sit down and we read the Bible together. I am much more like, okay, you're going to see me reading the Bible every day and then see how I incorporate it into my daily life. And then hopefully one day you'll do the same, you know, you'll do the same thing. I talk about God all the time with them, relate all of their, um, you know, questions and all of that back to, I always have a a faith-filled perspective on it. Um, But I really want it to be something that they choose for themselves. Yeah. Uh, And I will guide and lead the way there, but it's nothing that I demand or put a lot of pressure on. So I think, um, you know, and this comes, this realization comes from the fact that when I was pregnant, I read every parenting and pregnancy and birth book there was out there. Uh, I read every single thing. And so, um, you know, I was of the mindset that I, once I had the baby, I was going to, you know, nurse every two hours and then the baby would go to sleep in his crib and he would sleep for two hours. And I mean, I, I, it totally thought it was going to be just like everything I had read. And so I did too. <laughs> yeah. So talk about whiplash when you uh-huh. have the baby and you're like, first of all, <laughs> okay, he's nursing every 6.5 minutes. I'm right. not sure that anybody ever wanted to tell me that. And, you know, nowhere did I see like, you know, scabby nipples. I didn't see that right. anywhere, you know? Um <laughs> And so, you know, I had this moment of like, what? Like, this isn't how they said it was going to be. Um, And so I pretty, you know, pretty quickly started bed sharing, (laughs) co-sleeping, baby wearing. Like, all of a sudden, I was like this attachment parent (laughs) by like necessity. Like, okay, this was not what I planned, but this feels normal and natural to me. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of threw the expert opinions kind of like out the window because I'm like, well, they didn't have my baby. I had my baby. Right. And this is what feels like he needs, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it was from that point that I just kind of was like, you know, there's so much that we're told that matters and makes a huge difference. I mean, let's be honest, the jury's still out. My kids aren't grown. So, you know, like, <laughs> So, you know, God help me if everybody comes back and they're like, you see, but you know, but I, I just developed, I guess my main mom hack is that I, um, I really keep my priorities straight on what really, really matters. Mm -hmm. And I try not to be so regimented and, um, and strict about things that I really, at the end of the day, don't think make that big of a difference. Yeah. I think that's so good. I, I think that's a great mama hack because a lot of us can, can learn from that. I feel like sometimes I, I try to be the same way and sometimes I get, I, I see myself, you know, it's like you see yourself outside of yourself. <laughs> like you're, you're watching yourself freak out about uh-huh. something so stupid. Like why are your shoes not in the shoe box? You know, yes, like we have a box yes. of shoes by the Preach front it. door. Yes. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, 
could you not just put them in the shoe thing? You know, like that's what it's there for. And at the end of the day, I'm like, does it even really matter? Like it's just, (laughs) it just bothers me, but it's not a huge deal. Um, And so I think we can all learn from that just to like, let it go. Let it go. You totally have to have to take a page out of Elsa's book because yeah, that's the only way. That's the only way to get through this with any shred of sanity. And I yeah, mine's very at this point. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we I sing that daily at our house. (laughs) (laughs) Not just for me, but for the kids. Like it's Uh just part of our vernacular of everyday life. So funny. Thank you, Disney. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Well, um, the last question that I always ask is, uh, if you could give advice to a brand new mama, what would it be? And the reason that I ask for a brand new mom is just because I feel like sometimes we all need to get back to where we started. Um, because I know for, for me, when I started, I knew nothing about being a mom. I had never changed a diaper. And, uh, so I had a rude awakening. Um, (laughs) and so I always just feel like the, the basic advice is sometimes the best advice. Um, and then also for the new moms that are listening that can take a piece away, um, from, from what, from what the other moms are saying. So what is, um, a piece of advice that you'd give to a brand new mama? I would say, um, that you will find a new normal. And it will feel peaceful and calm eventually. And that, you know, I think that was my biggest fear as a brand new mom um, was that everything felt the opposite of normal. It was just complete life change in every way possible. And it felt like I was always going to feel that way. And so to the new mom that's having, you know, those, the baby blues, I mean, Every, every day for two weeks after both births, my first son and second, um, every day at six o'clock, I would cry. And it was like, it was like a, like an alarm had been set that, that it would just hit me at six o'clock. And my husband would turn and look at me and he would go, are you going to cry right now? (laughs) And I would have no reasoning for it at all. We would have people come and visit and I would know six o'clock I had to go in the bathroom. I would go and shut myself in the bathroom and I would cry and cry it out and come back and be like, okay, I'm good. Um, And I don't think that's anything that anybody really shares with you that, you know, um, whether it's postpartum depression or just the baby blues that hit you because your body is trying to recover from the hormones and all of Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Um, I think people need to talk about that time more that just as much as you are overjoyed and in love with your baby, it's really okay to also feel overwhelmed and to also feel like crying for no reason because for two weeks it was, and it was just like clockwork six o'clock every day for 14 days. And then after those 14 days, not that I didn't cry anymore, but it didn't hit me at the same time every day. And it kind of evened out at that point. Yeah. And then it evened out. And so I would just tell her that it will, your new normal will come. You will enjoy it. You will, um, come to a place where life feels, uh, normal and stable. And, uh, we're such creatures of comfort that when things are, when a a life change, you know, as big as welcoming a new human into the world, you know, give yourself grace with that, you know, acknowledge that this is the biggest thing you'll probably ever do as far as a life change, you know, this going from, from, um, 
you know, just being a person to being a parent Mm -hmm. is absolutely huge. And that's true for whether you, you know, whether you adopt or whatever way you come through parenthood, that transition, uh, you know, people need to talk about just kind of how crazy it is. So, so that's my, my biggest advice to a new mom is just give yourself grace and know that one day it will be normal again. Um, and everybody gets there in their own time. And if you feel like it's not getting there, you know, after a couple of weeks, then talk to your doctor, you know? Um, and and if your doctor tells you to go take walks, (laughs) then you need a new doctor. Get a new doctor. (laughs) There aren't enough walks in the world to to help with postpartum depression. That is a, you know, a serious clinical thing. You know, I, I think we need to be more open about that with, with other people. And, um, and be more honest and let them know that there is hope and there is help. That's absolutely a hundred percent accurate. Yes. Um, and I, I love your advice because I think that I, I tell a lot of moms, uh, if you can just get through the first six weeks, then yes. you will kind of come out of your cloud yeah. and, um, become a person again. And, you know, things kind of get a slightly easier, you know, there's a, maybe a little more sleep happening and kind of get in the groove of breastfeeding if that's what you're doing. And yeah. so I just feel like, um, for each of my kids, that's how it was. Like, I don't totally remember the first six weeks. <laughs> so I rely, <laughs> yes, you're on survival mode. I rely on pictures and videos that I took, you know, in those moments, um, to help me remember those times. But, um, so yeah, I love your advice. It's so good. Well, Jen, tell us, um, how we can find you. Tell us your website, tell us, um, where we can find your book and, um, anything else that you want to share with us. Sure. So I am um, on Instagram at Jen Babacan, um, on Facebook at Jen Babacan Author, and my website is jenbabacan.com. But I know my last name is not the easiest for figured, people to figure out how to spell. So you can also go to detouredbook.com, and that will take you there. And you can also find the book um, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, christianbook.com, all of those. Awesome. And I will link all of that um, in the show notes as well. So people can just go click and find it. Awesome. All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much. I so enjoyed our chat. I just feel like I could literally talk to you for hours about this subject because um, it's, like I said, it's just so similar to mine. Um, There's so much that I resonated with. And I know that a lot of moms listening are like, yes, yes. And amen. You know, like this is my story. (laughs) Yes. And, um, I just thank you for taking the time to write this book and sharing your story and being vulnerable because I know that, um, sharing this stuff is difficult. It's not something that, you know, is, is natural for us. And so, um, just the fact that you've been brave enough to share it and put it out into the world is amazing. Um, it's such a cute book cover, by the way, I loved oh, they, it. So they did such a good job. I I had no idea how they would ever come up with with an image or an illustration to match what the heart of the book was, but they did it. They did such a wonderful job. Yes, it's that bright yellow color. You cannot miss it. You can't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I love it so much. So anyway, thank you for being on. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for being on the launch team. It was an absolute pleasure and joy. And um, I'm so grateful with, you know, for all of your help with getting this message out into the world. Oh, absolutely. I loved it. 
I just love her heart. I hope you will go and order her book for yourself or for a mama friend who is maybe going through this journey and could use a little bit of encouragement. You can find Jen at jenbabacon.com and on Instagram at jenbabacon. Until next time, you matter, mama.